we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and all the way from Honduras is Anne Fowler, our guest today. And we're going to be talking about her book. Uh, her book. I've worn many, many hats. It's a memoir. And we're also going to be talking about the foundation that she started and her passion for life. She's in Honduras right now. She lives there six months of the year. Lucky girl. Um, but it does mean that we're having a bit of internet problem today. So bear with us if you feel that there's a little overlap or a little drop. Just stay with us. The content is going to be good, I promise. So she is somewhat retired. Um, she thinks that laughter to sadness, empathy, courage uh, is very important. She's Canadian and uh, she uh, appears to have it all. However, life is not always idyllic as it seems. And at the age of 20, a series of events almost destroyed her. Emerging from the record, she reinvent, uh, she reinvented herself, started over and presided, proceeded, sorry, got a pee-pee problem today, proceeded to live on the edge with risk-taking lifestyle. Then, in 1993, an event experienced during a trip to Central America changed everything. I've Worn Many Hearts Hats is an inspirational read that demonstrates our human frailties, one's um, ability to survive personal adversity, and how we can learn to forgive both ourselves and others. It's a story of redemption. And we're going to be talking about that memoir today. We're going to be talking about her foundation that she has in uh, Honduras um, and all about her life. So stay with us, even if we do have a few hiccups here, folks, because it's worth listening to. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you very much for inviting me. I will enjoy this. Nobody, nobody can complain about talking about themselves. So, I mean, hey, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think what people, you know, uh, are beginning to learn, especially through podcasting, is that we learn so much about ourselves through other people's stories. And we, we, you know, the relatability or um, you feel like that too, or how did you get through that experience? I'm going through it. Right. So right. our stories are really, really important in helping other people on their life's journey. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I've not done many podcasts. I've done a few, but it's totally new to me to do it. But when you're talking about our journey it helps other people, you know, that's, that was a um, unexpected benefit of my book that I found because I'm getting people responding to me and saying, you know, I read your book and um, this is what happened to me. And they tell you your story and, you're right. You know, it, it's sharing. It's really good. Um, I think one of the biggest problems in life is sometimes we don't know how to navigate. You know, something happens to us and we think it's only happening to us. And then you've heard that this something similar has happened to someone else. And it's, it's mm -hmm. not about competition or comparison. It's about understanding uh, that you have the empathy. You understand the pain that we're going through. But this is 
what came out of it. You know, we right. we can't we right. can't exactly. stop what happens to us, but we can choose how we um, how we make it happen for us. What we can learn from it, that's right. we can grow from it. Right. Well, you know, I've always said that um, we make our life, our, our lives, and ourselves are made up of the decisions we've made in life. Mm -hmm. And I think that those decisions really direct what we're going to do with our life. But it also depends on how you accept it, what path you follow. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that makes a big difference. So I agree with you totally. Um, nobody gets through life unscathed. You know, we, no. we've all had some wonderful no. trips along the way, sometimes Grand Canyons, you know, so yeah. it's, um, but it's how we learn from it, who we become because of it. Exactly. And, and you said you were really carefree in your 20s, you're living in Toronto, um, and that life was seemingly going in the right direction? Well, you know, I, I, I grew up in a typical 1940s family. I'm an only child. And uh, I did all the things one does in high school with all the usual drama. Um, went into nursing, um, like most girls did uh, in my class. And, um, and then something happened to me. And it was how I dealt with that and what the results were of it that really changed how I behaved in life um, which was pretty irresponsible, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the problems and things I got into, which I go into in the book, but um, yeah, there can be a life-changing moment. And, uh, and what happened to me, of course, is I was raped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, the rape produced a pregnancy, which oh. produced an abortion, which produced a uh, suicide attempt, mm -hmm which uh, produced getting out of nursing, going to a mental hospital, which ultimately led me to joining American Airlines and becoming a flight attendant. <laughs> Aren't you happy to hear that about the flight attendant? <laughs> One doesn't think, oh, I, you know, suicide attempt. Now I'm going to go be a flight attendant. Exactly. You know, maybe the suicide thoughts exactly. are still there. Exactly. <laughs> yes, um, you know. So, you know, so that, so that worked out well, but then... Um, how can I put this? Carefree, you said carefree, you're right. Without regard for uh, rules and regulations, um, that's just kind of the way I was living. And, uh, and that's not a good way to live, you know. No, um, I, I've been a victim of rape myself. It didn't produce a child, thank goodness. But um, it... it it makes you question first and foremost did i ask for it you know uh, and you feel guilty exactly. right um, and but then it's that did i deserve but it but that's our age group yes that's our generation my generation which is older than yours i'm 82. Okay. um not quite but there yet, we all felt <laughs> okay well you're, you're you're a lot younger um <laughs> but we all felt at that time that um well it's my fault Yes. It's my fault. You're embarrassed. It's my fault. I can't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, whereas what I was finding in the responses I was getting, as I said, an unexpected response I was getting to the book, where younger women talking about their rape 
and how they dealt with it. Totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally different. I mean, uh, it just, they didn't feel guilty. What <laughs> my fault. You know, I didn't do it. Right. You know, Nobody so asks for rape. It, Nobody goes out there saying, you know, no, rape no, me. No, no, it is you are a victim of it, but you continue to You're victimize victim. yourself with shame and blame. Yes. And self blame. Right. So, yeah. Blame shame game. Yep. Same blame game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it was. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you want to, me to tell you what happened to change things or. Yes, are gosh, we yes, on something yes. else? Yes, that was the issue. How did you come through it? Yeah, well, it was it was at the bottom of the issues. I had a lot more issues than that, but um, it was at the bottom. And and things changed. Um, as I said, I think that the decisions you make in your life uh, determine who you are, and then how you use those deci- mm-hmm. that results in the path you take. So, uh, what happened that changed me drastically? Um, was in 1993. Um, My family doctor uh, said to me, um, you know, we're going to Honduras. He was medical director of a mission group, a medical mission group, two-week medical mission group. Why don't you come with us? You know, you'll love it. You liked camp. It's like going to a poor summer camp, you know? (laughs) So I went, I went, and and that was it. I was hooked. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened, what happened to change my life, I think, and the path I was taking was um, the women all slept in one room. We were sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags. And one night in the middle of the night, um, I thought I heard somebody calling my name. And I sat up, looked around. uh, Nobody else was awake. And I heard it again. And I have to tell you, there, there, there was no question in my mind that God was speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And all he said was, um, uh, your life is going to change. You're going to go down a different path, mm-hmm. period, end of story. And I had absolutely no question in my mind that this was reality. Um, I mean, I was brought up in the church, but I mean, I wasn't a Bible thumper. I was, uh, you know, uh, went to Sunday school and stuff like that. But uh, my first husband was a minister, for heaven's sakes, you know. Um, but <laughs> another story. Uh, anyhow, another chapter. Um, oh, yeah, two husbands, right? Two husbands. All right. So, um, so, but there was no doubt in my mind uh, what I was being led to do, and so. Um, when I went home, I, I, I almost didn't tell anybody because I was sort of embarrassed, you know, what am I going to say? You know, they know this isn't me. This is uh, uh, Anne who owns a company, drives a Lincoln, wears fur coats, uh, you know, uh, the whole bit. And this she's going to give up her life and go to Honduras. Mm-hmm. So but that became the ultimate plan. That was in 93. And um, I retired in 2000, sold my company and uh, came to Honduras for six months of the year and stayed in Canada for six months at my cottage. So it was, uh, I drove everybody crazy for seven years. You know, well, it's only six years, three days and four hours until I retire. But it ultimately it came and uh, I came to Honduras and, and uh, 
uh, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Um, I had been associated with uh, an eye and dental clinic for the poor uh, through my mission work uh, that I had been going on because they were running it. And I'd been on a couple of brigades in the seven years in the interim. And um, so anyhow, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. And I, I knew I couldn't really figure that out till I got down there. But uh, there I was, and it uh, gradually became clear what was needed. And uh, so without going into a whole lot of stuff, I started developing programs I, uh, uh, for the community. Um, I, uh, a lot of children's programs and uh, did some changes in the administration of the clinic. And this was supposed to be a five-year plan. I was only going to be there five years. But ultimately, I, um, I made the decision, now this is where I'm going to be. And I bought property up here on the North Coast. I was originally in El Progreso, and now I'm on the North Coast and um, in a small village. Built a house um, and uh, figured I'd use it for visiting uh, doctors because I had a visiting doctor program I established in Progresso, uh, education programs for the children, which I had established in Progresso. Brought all of that up here and then developed more, and, uh, and the programs just grew and grew, and the, what we did grew and grew. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the past uh, 20 years. Um, uh, I have slowed down now, of course, needless to say. I've had a lot of help over the years, um, the people that came to help and then members of the community and different associations that I've made. But um, so now I kind of am the orchestra leader, you know, I mm, yes, stand yes. back and direct the orchestra, but everybody else does all the work. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's it. And uh, people say, how much longer are you going to be there? And I said, don't know. Don't know. Yep, Carry it's not me up out. to you. <laughs> it's, it's, when, it's whenever your exit right. plan is there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I love people's redirecting. So kind of. Sorry, this is where we're having a little problem with the internet. It's a little overlap. So. Um, it's saying, I love the, the redirect. You know, it's people think that... Um, we get on a path and that's the path we're meant to stay and then that path will lead to this and that and you've had many many paths many chapters in your books where you were air hostess on the airline then you started your own company and then honduras came along which redirected you again you haven't been afraid of redirection in your life no no um was i ever afraid of redirection um you're right. I was always a risk. I was always a risk taker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it so, is it the uh, wonderment? You know the the kind of oh this is exciting. Let's give it a try. Or is it I'm bored with what I'm doing right now and I need something new? Is it just the inquisitiveness that made you redirect? I think the wonderment, wonderment and inquisitiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't bored. I wasn't bored. Right. Um, I ran a really successful company and I loved my business. Um, I loved all the work I did, but, and I had two, I have two children and, you know, um, so no, it wasn't boredom, mm -hmm. uh, inquisitiveness probably, um, and challenge. I yes. think challenge. 
going to be a challenge. And, uh, and so any of the programs that I've uh, developed down here, it was a question of being a challenge, you know, well, we need to do this or this needs to be done and so on and so forth. So, um, and of course the challenge isn't, isn't what's needed. It's generally the political arena or the community arena with, you know, rules, regulations or getting people motivated enough to actually get into action. Exactly. Um, now, I'm in a very small village. We're a village of 6,000 people, uh, but my programs reach out to the surrounding areas. Um, people now, I mean, it was different 20 years ago. There's been a lot of changes in 20 years. Uh, people are now on board with what I'm doing. There's other groups have come in uh, that I I'll coordinate with. Um, I think the Honduran people are um, far behind North America, but when television and the internet came in, uh, they started catching up. And I see the kids are becoming much more um, Americanized, Canadianized. Which maybe not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, for example, I remember when I first started uh, coming to Honduras, uh, <clears throat> when I first came to Honduras and we did brigades out in the mountains and the boonies, I remember fathers would not allow their daughters to wear jeans. They had to wear a dress. Well, <laughs> nowadays, bare skin, midriffs, the whole bit. I mean, it just, that went out the window. Yeah. So it's been a lot, of, and that's that's due to television and the media, you know. The, the um, thing about you know TV and internet, it opens up to a totally new world, but the trouble is, it's it also opens up to bad habits and bad attitudes, and you know we're seeing this so much as a crisis in North America and around the world right now, where many of the youth have become extremely violent. You know, there was a six-year-old that killed, the, yes. shot their teacher. There, I saw that. Yes, I saw that. And then up in Toronto, we had thirteen-year-olds and sixteen-year-olds stabbing a man to death in the street, and yeah, it's a. Uh, I know. You know. And it's just like, what is happening with their youth? How we're letting them down because they don't seem to have any respect. They don't seem to have any connection. They don't seem to have any purpose. And I think, in a lot of ways, the saturation of of internet and TV without proper conducting, without proper direction right. and focus has led them to just not really hone in on anything and be lost. Well, they, they've lost the art of uh, just playing outside. Yes. I mean, the kids aren't allowed to play outside without a helicopter parent. <laughs> and, uh, or I see it with my young volunteers that come down here. They don't talk to each other. They're too busy on their tablets, know, you know. I Nobody know. Nobody each other anymore. It just drives me nuts, you know. And uh, so, I don't know. I had a conversation with uh, some friends about this over the summer when I was home. And we, and maybe we are old-fashioned, I don't know. But we blame it on the, a lot on parenting, too. Mm -hmm. uh, children are entitled now. Way parents, the mm. children entitled. Um, you didn't bring your kids up like that. I didn't bring my kids up like that. 
And fortunately, my grandchildren aren't like that. But still, um, I think that's part of the problem. They, they think they they're feel owed. They think they're owed. They're owed. You know? yeah, yeah, yep, they do. And they're so busy um, uh, on their what tablets or in, yeah. in uh, arranged activities instead of just playing or talking to their friends that, you know, I don't know how they can have a normal upbringing, you know? So, and you're right. I mean, the violence, yes. the violence is frightening. There, there seems to be no kind of depth. You know, um, everything's headliners, everything's emoji, you know, and without depth, without content, you know, where's the compass? Uh, you know, the compass, the heart and soul is the compass, is the, the generator, love. And if they, if they don't have love, self-love or love of life or love of anything <laughs> in life, what is the driving force? And we can't have exactly. that connection to love if we're not willing to to look beyond the surface we have to go mm -hmm. deep and, and we we're not doing our children a, you know a service at the present moment with the way that everything has been the entitlement of, of giving them feeling they're owed and they're not having to work for anything uh, and they think that they're hard done by that's the sad thing they think they're hard done by and they don't realize actually how much opulence they have at their fingertips and how and with that, how much responsibility they have, and they've thrown that responsibility right out the door. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They don't. Um, what did uh, who did, was I talking to? Remember when we were kids, or when our kids were growing up? They had an allowance. They were yeah. required to do certain chores, and that way you were. They don't do that anymore. You know, yeah. it, it seems like no. So responsibility you know there just doesn't seem to be any you know my son and his wife are both teachers and uh, in elementary school so they've got young kids little kids and uh, I know Chris deals with this and Christina every day you know yeah. and they're trying to change that mm -hmm. but it's hard it it's is hard yes yes uh, you know I know somebody whose daughter right now where there's a write-up uh, from the school saying she's become a mean girl and and the, she's become a brat, quite honestly, right. a brat. And you know, if, if uh, she's eight, so if we don't nip it in the bud now, when they get to teenage years, that's when kind of the violence comes out in them. And so, well, if we, will we be a mean girl then? Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. yes. So you know, the beauty of a country that is behind. Um, it's hard, but to see the mistakes that's been done before you and to actually be able to hone in, you know, um, more of a, of a, of a, of, of the sense of respect, sense of responsibility, sense of content before they go down the other way. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. But, um, I don't know what the, all I know is I'm glad I'm not raising children right now. Yes, I, I have grandchildren, and um, you know, and unfortunately, the parents are both extremely hands-on. Uh, you know, my, my my kids are hands-on with their grandchildren. My grandchildren do. Yeah, being yeah, both put them well, to bed together. You know, they're both equal in the diaper change and the bath time and the playtime, and uh, and it's um, it's good to see that kind of parenting because I don't know about you, but you know, it very often you felt like a single mum 
in the family <laughs> because you know the dads would be off yeah. doing their own thing <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. and in well, some well, ways well, they're, they're, and what in some ways they're learning you know um you've got kind of a total division you've got some that have become very attentive and bringing up their children the way you know they would like to have been brought up and then you've got other kids who are just like apathy and uh, and the entitlement or just just no connection to anything and it's so sad to see because you went through you know you went through the rape this the attempted suicide the the mental hospital and then working for the airlines where you see something else altogether right <laughs> that's a total different story and you with throughout yeah. your career you've seen so many different sides of humanity and we yes. can be awesome we can be incredible when we choose to be all the problems in the world come from us as humans and it is a choice whether we choose to be of substance or whether we choose to be of entitlement. And really, that is the choice we have in life, isn't it? I agree. I agree. Um, it's, uh, and I don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't know whether uh, the kids that are growing up now, if somebody gives them direction, they'll be better parents. I don't know. I know. I know. We've got I've to do something. Yeah. I've had long talks with my grandson, who is going to be fourteen in a couple of weeks, and um, we've talked about this issue. And he says, "Well, I'm not going to do what so and so did when I have kids." And so, I said, "Good, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That means yeah. he's being aware." So, he's aware he's aware yeah. and of course and of course my granddaughter is also aware because her parents are teachers mm -hmm. um, but uh, hard, hard to, uh, as I said I'm just bloody happy that I am not raising yes. children right now yes yes <laughs> you know? yes well I'm kind of very very immersed in my grandchildren but the beauty of being a grandchild grandmom is that you know you can come in and be you know the sweet, cuddly, this and that, etc., and hand them back to the parents. <laughs> There's some benefits to it, but yeah, um, yeah, it's a different exactly. relationship altogether, completely, because it isn't the same. You know, as my daughter said when she had her baby, Mom, how did you do it with three? And I said, I don't yeah. know. I just did it because we just paid attention to what we needed to I'm do. I'm just going to show I'm going to show you something. Here, okay. Let me just, I have, to step, I have to step over, whoops, step over something here. I don't know if I can get at it. Uh, I got to go around this way. Just a minute. I want to show you something my daughter sent me that I opened at Christmas. That speaks to what you're saying. This is what she sent framed. Can you read it? No, move back a bit. Move back. Kate said, dear mom, I get it now. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's only when they become parents hold on, themselves. Somebody, hold on, hold on. There's somebody at my gate. Hold on, somebody's at my gate. Okay. Now, you know, I've just I'm written my memoir as well. And I found... Yeah, I found it very, very interesting when, you know, reading it back. Kind uh -huh. of seeing a thread going through it that I wasn't aware of. 
what have you found in writing your memoir that was a thread going through? Found? Yeah, that kind of surprised you. Oh, very much surprised. <laughs> um, one of the things that I realized is that my whole life I never have looked at, looked back, and dealt with the traumas that I had. Yeah. So you've got seven years of traumas that I never, I kind of swept under the rug and said, oh, well, tomorrow's another day. I'll yeah, deal with it Let's then. get on you know. with life. Yep, that's let's what we did. Yeah. So writing the memoir was very beneficial. I'm sorry, I'm out of breath. I just climbed a whole bunch of stairs. <laughs> um, was very beneficial for me in that it, uh, it forced me to look at things mm. and and confront them and things that I had never dealt with. Well, I had, it swept them under the rug. Yeah. But this is very, um, very, very cathartic. Yes. Very, uh, really, really good. So, you know, when people say to me, uh, did you, did you enjoy writing? Blah, blah, blah. I say, yeah. And I said, you know, the best thing about writing this book was what it did for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I said, doesn't matter if anybody else likes it. It was good for me. Yeah. And, you know, that that was, uh, that's what the thread was running through mine. And, uh, I mean, I kind of let it all hang out in the book. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, you know, all the... Uh, Unfiltered. Uh, what's the word I want? <laughs> hmm? Unfiltered. All, all good stuff and not good stuff. So, um, yes. but, but that was good. And, and so that was very cathartic for me. And then the other thing uh, was, uh, uh, the other thing I found was uh, in these responses I'm getting from people, um, every, like almost all of my reviews and stuff have been that it was uh, what I've done is inspirational. Mm -hmm. And they're not just talking, they're not just talking about all the stuff I've done down here in Honduras. They're talking about how I came from here yeah. Here and that's inspiring. Yeah. So you know, inspiration begets invitation. So when you inspire someone, it invites them to look at their own life and their own choices and their own journey, and it you know it invites yes. them yeah, to be inspired by their own path as well, because we're not taught right to look back on our path. I mean, I you know when writing it was like, oh my God, I did what. <laughs> but we've got to realize <laughs> that things that we did, we did in the knowledge that we had at the time or in the culture that was there at the time. And maybe yes. we didn't know it was wrong because it was just something that everybody did and we kind of had switched on to the fact that it was wrong yet until we know, until we're mm -hmm. aware. And then it's where is our choice now? So I think that beating oneself up for past decisions is uh you know an oxymoron why bother um but why it, bother? Yeah. yeah why bother it's, you know it's self-persecution is a waste of time but looking at it and going oh my god what were you thinking but at the same time owning it and go but what did you learn from it what did you what learn, did you from, learn it? from it yep yep absolutely and you found that when you were writing your book because you wrote your memoir you yeah. say yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a. I mean, I haven't dived into some stuff too deeply, and other things I have, um, 
because also I've done an awful lot of my own inner therapy to bring closure to certain things. But in okay. that thread that I found all the way through, which was quite honestly sadness, a great deal of sadness, um, is just really that is more to do with me as an empathetic person uh, of feeling the world. And I'm just really kind of quite sad at humanity and how cruel we are to each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can see that uh, listening to you, that that's uh, kind of where you're coming from as well. Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, and we can't fix it, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, you know, but this is, this going back to responsibility is that, and I'm sure you've learned this on your life's journey, whatever pickle we get ourselves into, it is our responsibility to get ourselves out. Whatever injustice or, or hurt that we've committed on somebody, it's up to us to heal it. Everybody's always looking right. for something on the outside right yeah an yeah. app or, or you know um, something somebody else to fix it but w we are not taking ownership as human beings of our own choices uh, our own responsibility we don't have to do it with persecution you know or damning ourselves but we can stand up and own our own mistakes our own choices we can apologize if we have hurt people unknowingly well. or knowingly but taking on that responsibility is a huge growth isn't it I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, the, uh, my generation, uh, when we were going out, well, mom and dad are going to fix it. You know, yes. mom and dad are going to get me out of this, or mm -hmm. my best friend's going to get me out of this, or whatever. We didn't take responsibility. You know, we, we just didn't. Um, and so I hear what you're saying. That's a very interesting way of putting it. Um, yeah. Until we have to. <laughs> As we grow up, we realize until we, we have, have to take responsibility. Until we have, until we have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I think, as I said in my book, uh, and you asked me what I got out of the book, I think um, learning to take responsibility for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean the things you've done. I mean, take responsibility for it's your life. Yeah. And you've got to live it the best way you can mm -hmm. and stop beating, your, stop beating yourself yeah. up. You know, uh, it doesn't accomplish anything. No. And I mean, I did that for years, you know. Yes. Um, but and, like, again, going uh, back to that generational thing, you know, we were, we were yes. taught, who do you yeah. think you are putting yourself first? Uh, who do you think you are loving yourself? You know, you conceited and we weren't yeah, we taught to that. love ourselves. Yeah. It was always exactly. the sacrificial lamb. Everybody else came first yeah. before you. And that was where the dysfunction was. You're right. You're right. And, and now the, um, the, the, the uh, swing has gone the other way. The pendulum has gone too much the other way. <laughs> You're perfect. You know, you do this. I will look after you. I'll do this for you. You know, not letting them take responsibility for their own mistakes. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. 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 I mean, ultimately, you know, um, again, we can't always dictate what happens to us, but we can choose what we learn from it or who we become because of it. And that is yeah. uh, our choice. And yes, very often we need help along the way. We need guidance along the way. Our generation didn't have it. This generation at their fingertips 
has trillions of podcasts, trillions of online programs, trillions of information at their fingertips that can help them, you know, navigate through. Yet we're seeing, I think, even more like we're seeing suicides of people that we thought were extremely happy and had it all. And I think there's something missing and that connection, I think, is that attachment to, to soul, God, universe, spirit, energy, whatever you wish to call it. I think that we're losing that connection with, with that energy source and, you know, that generator of love, uh, love of self, love of life, love of universe, love of God, you know, is, um, yep. I think is missing in a lot of people. Well, I think, I think part of it goes back to what we were saying. Um, nobody talks to each other anymore. I mean, the kids don't talk to each other. They, they're, they're too busy on their iPads. Yes. And I think that they've got so many choices out there from being bombarded with all these yeah. different apps and whatever. How can they possibly sort it out? Yeah. You know, at least we were told, you do not do that. Right. And you knew, well, I'm going to yes. be a good girl. I won't do that. You know, it will upset my father or my mother, right. you know. But now they don't have those kinds of guidelines. You know? no, we're more so scared of upsetting them. That's right. Parent has become more upset for people. setting the children, which is, you know. That's right. Well, so what are you teaching them? No boundaries, no responsibility, no respect, no self-respect, certainly no love. Right. There's got to be a happy medium, and I think that's the problem. The pendulum was here, it swung over here, and it's got to go back right. to the middle. To a nice, think, sensible sensible swing. I think that that's, um, and this is on not children, but uh, talking about the pendulum swinging back and forth. You know, um, I think that the pendulum has to swing back to the middle on uh relationships between men and women. Yes. Uh, I think it's gone to the point where it's ridiculous. A man cannot tell a woman she looks nice today. Mm -hmm. You know, I like your dress Sexual or whatever. Insult. I know, I know. It's gone too far. You know, and, and I guess the thing that bothers me probably most about it, because I've got a son who's a teacher, I can remember my teachers giving me a hug mm -hmm. when I was a little kid in grade school. He'd be thrown out. He'd be arrested. I know. If he, if he tried, and that's sad. That yes. that's just really, really sad. And uh, pe people are taking offense at because, well, he said he liked the way I look or whatever. I Come know. on, guys, move back to the middle here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we, 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 but, so, but yeah. whenever there is change, there is extremes. And so, you know, yes. we're in the extremes of everything right now. We're in what I call hysteria. Yeah. And yeah. things need to kind of calm down yeah. and come back to sensibility. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, you know, the importance of your book for the young is for them to see the journey that you took that very, very often that you had to figure out on your own, like, when you're growing up, mum and dad helped you, or then right. maybe husband helped you, this or that. But at some point, you had to go, I have to help myself. And then it was, yeah. Yeah. I now need to help others. All right? I mm -hmm. need to help mm -hmm. others. And it's that transition of your life going through that is an inspiration to other people who are maybe in the me, myself, and I mode. 
uh, or don't know how to navigate through life with, you know, who do I ask or what am I responsible for? Um, what am I here for? You know, it's we're all here to contribute. Every single one, there's no rent free here on earth. We're all here to contribute something, mm -hmm. but we've mm -hmm. got to discover what it is. What is that something that we're here to contribute? Yep. Yep. Huh. Stuff worth thinking about. It is worth <laughs> thinking about. So I love it when a book transcends age, right? Because age or sexes or religions or anything like that, I think a book is something that keeps on giving. And it's, um, you know, I encourage book clubs, like I encourage podcast clubs for people mm -hmm. to listen and then come forth with their own perspective. Share. Well, I heard this or yes, I heard yes. that. And then open up that discussion. What we're not doing today mm -hmm. is opening up the discussion. We're passing judgments without looking at the other side of things and seeing the whole picture because we're not conversing. And that goes, I think, for all age groups. So I think we all need to learn how to converse, allow us somebody else to have a different opinion, see it from their point of view, and look at all right. of the opinions and get a bigger picture before you decide to pass judgment of what is right mm -hmm. and wrong mm -hmm. yep you're right you're right you know i did a um a book signing uh this past summer for a senior's residence uh up at the town where my cottage is and so here i'm sitting in a room with all these old women who were my age and older and they all read the book and they're sitting there with the book and they're saying well what about this and what about this and, and we got into <laughs> But you're talking about discussion. Yes. Uh, this is something that older people will do. Yes. Whereas looking at, um, uh, for example, one of my volunteers had read the book and they said, oh, I really liked your book. You know, it was interesting. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. I mean, hello. Well, what did you like about you know it? What, I mean? what did you learn from it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah. It's exactly. the same so. with um, you know comments, even on social media. You know, it's a like or an emoji, but it's not content. You know, people are not actually mm -hmm. writing words, and you know, yeah, we're, we're losing that up. Using those stupid emojis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know, There's a I'm lot as to learn as an expert. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I do a lot of it because obviously social media, a lot to do with my business, but it's and sometimes it might just be a, a like if it's just something like that. But I take the time to kind of read and respond, even if it is just a couple of words, just to, you know, show that I've read and responded. Um, and I think I think this is another thing that people aren't doing today, which we very much had instilled with us. Manage your time. Yes, time management. Mm. Yeah, time management. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't see how that today. Did, how did you get into? How did you get into what you're doing now? I'm interested. Um, nearly eleven years ago, I was at a crossroads in life, having lost everything that I had back to technology. I'd become homeless because of it. The, nothing wrong with the technology, oh, yeah. but we, the technology was stolen and you know, all the money went. 
and and it was I was at a crossroads. I was actually in a depression, and I wrote an article, and somebody mm -hmm. saw that article, saw my site and the programs that I had been doing before, and she asked me to join her network as a podcast. You know, podcast that I didn't even know what a podcast was at that time, Ooh. and uh, so I was with her for thirteen months live, which was a great training ground, and um, because so much could go wrong yeah. live. And then in 2013, mm -hmm. I started my own network and I didn't even know what I was doing there. Literally, it's like I want to do it, navigate, learn how to do it as I go. So this June will be 10 years of my own network, uh, 3,000 shows, uh, over 3,000 shows. I've probably done about 2,800 of them. Um, I do anything from four to eight shows a week. Um, every other week, I look after my grandson. So it's four the week and eight the following week. And I've got to meet people from around the world who are making a difference in the lives of others because of their story, mm -hmm. because of their journey. And I've learned so much about myself. It's been most fantastic therapy. Yeah. I'll bet you have. Well, you're right. That would have been good therapy, uh, going from the depths and rebuilding. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Good for you. And that's Good just, you. Being, you know, willing to have the conversation, willing to listen, willing to learn, willing not mm -hmm. to beat yourself up when you realize, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Instead of beating yourself up, and persecuting, now you know better, you will do better. But you can't punish yourself for something you did in the past because you didn't know better then. Right, right. Yeah, or or something you haven't faced up to, and mm. you're still beating yourself up. You know, yeah. that's not yeah. good either. But um, yeah. well, that that's that's good. Well, I wish you much success in uh, what you're doing. Uh, and, well, right uh, back at you. I mean, you know, I'm, past that now. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, I lost you there a bit. Um, you know, okay. you said you said you were a conductor now, which basically you've kind of written the music for other people to play so you know yeah, you can yeah. kind of sit back and enjoy the music and this is your legacy well, you know let other people well, you know you can still come in now and again and go uh-uh out of tune <laughs> yeah. well that's a good way of it. yeah one would think i was doing that however i'm into another book um <laughs> well, what's this one well uh, well over the past, um, let's see, 17 years, we've had over 800 volunteers, young volunteers here, wow. international volunteers. Fabulous. And they've, they've got stories. I mean, I, when I was really involved, I knew a lot of these stories. And yeah. trust me, some of them I'm going to have to assign a pseudonym to because they're not going to want their families to know that they did this. Right. But what I'm doing is writing a compilation of uh, some of these stories into a book on the volunteers here. And we're going to use it as, uh, and the stories will be good. There'll be inspirational stories. There'll be uh, romance. There's going to be danger. There's going to be, as I said, stuff they shouldn't be doing. Um, <laughs> so a mixture, <coughs> excuse me. And um, it's going to be used as a fundraiser good. For, um, for a project that I'm working on with somebody else, which is a bookmobile. A mobile book mm. uh, library mm. to go around town, um, and uh, so it'll be it'll help doing that, you know. So that's the project I'm working on. So I will do the um, preface and the epilogue, and and probably design the cover or whatever. But everybody's going to participate in it. But that's the project that I'm working on now. Wonderful. And so I'm you've got to come totally back when that book is ready. You've got to come back and share. 
because I'd love to hear all about that okay. book. I think it's a wonderful idea. Okay. Um, I've got a book coming up this year, the Forgotten Children series, which is a compilation of people who are, uh, you know, we if we don't take care of our children at the root, this is where we have the cause later. So is what can we do to turn mm -hmm. the tide and go back to paying attention to our children, you know, right, right down from the family dynamics to learning to play, you know, yeah. learning to have the respect yeah, and value, learning to respect and value our children. Um, so, now, yes. Now, true stories? Is this true? Are these true stories or these is it will, fiction? These will all be contributing chapters from people who are already working in organizations around children. Okay. And okay. it's their okay. stories. And uh, um, I've interviewed them and, you know, some of the stories that they've told me are just so hot and gut-wrenching and you know yeah. we we have to change things we cannot carry on the way we are uh, we're going yeah. to self-destruct at this rate and i do believe that all the dysfunction we see as an adult goes back to childhood and i think we need to go back to the childhood and how we raise our children how we educate our children well, about, everything yeah. about it so about yeah. yeah yeah so you know yeah. Compilation books like that are just wonderful. But yes, um, you know, and doing it for a fundraiser too. So I really, you're right on board there. Uh, but please come back when you have that book done because I very much like to hear some of the stories there. And again, it's uh, why do people come and volunteer? My daughter has done the same. She went to Africa to look after the elephants. She paid to go. Uh, to have the experience she's done other things um, my other daughter went to Mexico and built houses and it's they paid to do this they weren't paid to do it they did it because they really wanted to oh, yeah. contribute right so well, most, most, volunteers, most volunteers are on their own ticket you know yeah yeah Exactly. Most volunteers are on their own ticket. Yeah. yeah and and it's you know what what's the driving force behind it which I think is always really important because the they're the inspiration for other people on you know contribution we just got to remember mm -hmm. we're all here to contribute something of value right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, if we could learn that that it's not about me myself and i and it's about the we you know myself right. you know, as an instrument coming to the orchestra and being able to play the music that inspires others collectively harmoniously so uh, back to that self-responsibility again, which starts also with self-love going yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, so very much like to hear about that book for sure. So when you've got that, let me know. Next summer sometime. Wonderful. So now how do people get hold of your book? And also how do people reach you? Okay, they can reach me on uh, Facebook, uh, on Messenger, on Anne Hamilton Fowler. Just, you know, do I'm going to spell it for people, for those that are just listening, A-N-N-E, okay. Hamilton, H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N, Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. That's on Facebook. Correct. Correct. And you've also got uh, your, the website. My my website is um, H-T-T-P uh, slash, no, dot, dot, slash, which way, slash, dots, uh, and <laughs> Ann.HondurasHope.net. Yes. I think if you just do Ann Fowler Honduras, it comes up. Wonderful. Um, and my, and my, um, my website, my website, uh, that, that, that's the one that we just discussed. My email is Ann with an E, uh, Ann.Fowler at Explorenet, and I'll spell Explorenet because it's difficult. It's X P 
P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot C-A. Dot C-A, not dot com, folks. So, yes, so people can reach out to you if they're interested in volunteering or yeah. if they want to book you for your book or, or because you are six months of the year exactly. in exactly. Um, in Toronto, right? So in North America. I have uh, my party in Halberton, which is north of Toronto. But I mean, I can always be reached by any of those means. And um, uh, what else did you ask me? Where to get the book? It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon all over, you know, so it's just self-published on Amazon and just and, yep. and Hamilton many, Fowler and I've worn many hats worn many. Right. and it will come up yeah 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 and you know that's so, the well, I love the title I love the title you know because I actually do you know, prefer was, that a great deal about the many hats we wear in life so well you know how I got that title is um I'm known as the hat lady mm -hmm. uh like people uh when they see me without a hat I had somebody say to me once oh she's got hair <laughs> you know, I'm always wearing a hat. I've always worn hats, and I write about that in the book. But a friend of mine, we were, I don't know where we were, and we were in Africa. I was in Africa, and we're sitting there, and she said, I know what you're going to call your book. And I said, What? She said, I've worn many hats. I said, That's it. That's it. That's the name. And it's right. It's right. Yep, yes, it. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yep. you have worn original, many hats. The original title. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, definitely more than we just talked about today. Mm -hmm. um, but it's. Uh, you said the original it, title it, was it, going it, to be. Hmm. You said the original. The original title? title was going to be. The original title was a picture of a little angel, and half of her was an angel, and half of her was a devil. <laughs> and the title of the book was "She Did What." <laughs> <laughs> Which in many ways, when you read the book, I've had people say, that's what you should have called it. But anyhow. <laughs> I was going to write my book yeah. from my angel's perspective and go, oh, you've know, trying to get her back on track. You know, like it's just impossible. Yeah. But yeah. it ended up writing itself, which, you know, I just sat down for three weeks and just let it write um, without well, dictating how it well, wrote like or anything else. Let me know when it's out there. Let me know when it's out there. I'd like to read it. Um, the story. It's, it's in editing story. phase right now when I have time okay. to finish it. So we're busy running all of this, let but I will get it out. Yeah, let me know when it's done. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you so much. My today. pleasure. Thank you so much for coming here. And again, just going to remind people of the site. Sorry? You're on the West Coast. Whereabouts? I'm actually on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. So, so just a ferry away from, from Vancouver. So you're in Canada. Oh, I'm in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I I've been here yeah, 42 I and a half years. <laughs> so wow. More Canadian now than anything else. Yes. So. I guess so. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good to talk to you. Good and to talk I to will you. let you know when that other book is done. And uh, you let me know when yours is done. I will do most certainly. And, you know, folks, uh, we learn so much by somebody else's journey. We don't realize how much of ourselves is in other people's story or how much it sparks something inside of you mm -hmm. that you didn't know was your story. So please take the time to read, take the time to listen, take the time to share and have a conversation. If you want to know what the answers are to life, learn to listen, learn and apply because nothing is going to happen for you until you make it happen for you. So until next time, folks, thanks very much, Anne. Bye for now.
So too. Bye now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You will see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment.